0: The scripture reading this morning comes from Philippians 1, verses 1 through 11. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you For you all are partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent And so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. This is the word of the Lord. It is absolutely true and given to us in love.
1: Well, good morning. I've had my iPhone for, I guess, five or six years. And over the last several months, I've discovered probably what all of you already know, is there's this great little feature called reminders. And yeah, I'm old. Um, And so I can just say, hey Siri, remind me this afternoon to go pick up a pizza at 3 p.m. and she'll say, okay, and she'll say, I'll remind you to go pick up the, and it's been awesome, and at night when I'm laying in bed, my phone's right beside me, I think of something that needs to happen, I'm like, hey Siri, and she's like, hello, and so, you know, this little feature has really uh, revolutionized my life, and here at Hope Chapel, our vision of being a gospel community ...that seeks to bring spiritual, social, and cultural renewal to our city and beyond... ...is critical to who we are as a church and what God has called us to do. Yet, because our lives are full with many good things, it's easy for us to forget our vision. So at the beginning of every year for the past 10 years, we set a reminder. Not on our phones, though it might be a good idea but through a sermon series to help us remember and flesh out our vision. So over the next several months, we are going to be looking at Paul's letter to the Philippians. Now, you might be wondering, why did we choose Philippians? And the answer is, Paul's letter to the Philippians speaks to the joy that comes as we seek to build God's kingdom. And it's our hope here at Hope Chapel that as we seek to bring renewal, both spiritually, socially and culturally throughout the city and beyond, that we, too, would experience this great joy. So this morning, we're going to be looking at Philippians 1 verses 1 through 11. And from this passage, I want us to consider two things this morning. First is, in order to carry out our vision, we need everyone's participation. And then secondly, in order to carry out our vision, we need to remember that God is the ultimate source of our kingdom growth. Let me pray for us. Father, we're grateful for the opportunity to open your word. You promise us that your word will not go out and come back void. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray. I pray that you would have your way with us. That you would speak to our hearts. That you'd encourage us. That you would challenge us this morning. And we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. So if you have your Bibles, you can look in Philippians 1 or you can look in your bulletins. And the first thing that I want us to consider from this passage is in order to carry out our vision, we need everyone's participation. Now, when we planted the church 10 years ago, we were a small group of about 25 folks. And it didn't matter if you were young or old, extroverted or introverted or any of the nine personality types on Enneagram. We needed all hands on deck. And everyone rolled up their sleeves and jumped in. But as we've grown over the years, it's easy to think like I know I'm guilty of at times. And that is to think, you know, Saturday morning, I'd love to sleep in instead of go to the food pantry and serve. And so I'm just going to let somebody else do it because there's plenty of people. Or for others of us, it might be easy to think that, you know, that person is better at making the coffee or greeting new folks That come through the door. So I'm just going to bow out. Or others of us think. I'll just do it on my own. It's way easier. And more efficient for me to deliver. All the the food bags on Saturday morning. Than to partner with someone else. However the truth is. Every one of us. Is important. And needed. If we are going to be. The gospel community. That God is calling us. To be and seek the renewal that God wants for us and our city. We are part of the body of Christ. And we are called to lock arms with one another. And this is exactly what we see in the birth of the church in Philippi. And the growth of God's kingdom in this city. In Acts 16, Luke tells us that Paul and Silas were traveling together on a missionary journey. They were proclaiming together the good news when the Holy Spirit spoke to Paul in a dream while he was in Troas and told him instead of going to Bithynia, they needed to go as far west as they've ever been to Macedonia. So Paul and Silas, heeding the Holy Spirit's call, set their sights on Macedonia and the small city of Philippi. Now, Philippi was a city of about 10,000 people. It had originally been known for its gold mining. And when the gold all dried up, it became an agricultural city, harvesting grain and grapes. It was known for its wine. Philippi was a Roman colony, which meant that all its citizens had all the rights and privileges of a Roman citizen. The people could own property. They were exempt from taxes and were encouraged to adopt all the pagan rituals of the Roman society, including worshipping the official cult of the Roman Empire. The city had very few Jewish inhabitants, and was made up mostly of Greeks and Gentiles, who up until Paul's arrival probably had never even heard the name Jesus Christ. And so when Paul and Silas arrived... Since there was no synagogue, instead of going to the synagogue, they just kind of milled around the city and greeted different people. And then eventually, they went outside the city gates and they found a place of prayer where a group of women were praying together. And we don't know the exact details of what happened, but what we do know is that there was a woman there by the name of Lydia. And as Paul began to proclaim the good news of the gospel... The Holy Spirit captured Lydia's heart. And the amazing thing, Lydia didn't just go off by herself back to her house to proclaim the good news to her household. She took Paul and Silas with her. And she went back and her whole house was baptized. And that was the birth of this little church in Philippi. And Luke goes on to tell us in Acts 16... That after Lydia's conversion, Paul and Silas, they were walking around, continuing to share the good news of the gospel. And there was this woman that had a evil spirit, a divination. She was a fortune teller. And Paul literally got annoyed with her. Not the woman, but the spirit. Because the spirit was provoking them. And so he cast the spirit out. And then she could no longer tell the future. And so the slave owners were upset. They called the magistrates. They end up taking Paul and Silas to jail. They flogged them. And then while in the jail, in shackles, God causes an earthquake to happen. And all their shackles fall off. And the prison guard, he he threatens to to kill himself because he's thinking all of them are going to escape. But Paul assures them that they're all staying put. And then Paul and Silas share the good news of the gospel with him. And he, too, is captured by the Holy Spirit and professes faith in Christ. And then Paul and Silas and the prison guard, they go back to his household and his whole household proclaims the good news of the gospel. Now, we don't know a lot more about Paul and Silas's time in Philippi other than we know that they visited several times. And we learn from Paul's letter written from his prison cell in Rome nearly 10 years after that initial visit, that Paul had developed a deep, deep affection for the Philippian church. His attitude toward them was an attitude full of thanksgiving. Why? Because they participated in the gospel ministry together to grow God's kingdom. Paul writes in verse 1, not just to one person at the church of philippi but to all the saints in philippi he's very inclusive then in verse 3 he tells them how he continue continually thanks god and all his remembrances of them always in every prayer for them he prays with joy and what is he most thankful for he tells us in verse 5 He's most thankful because of their partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. You see, Paul is thankful for their willingness to lock arms with him over the past 10 years in the gospel ministry. He says in verse 7, it is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. Together, they were partakers of God's grace that set their hearts free. Together, they shared in the grace of God as they defended and confirmed the gospel message. And together, they entered into the fellowship of Christ's suffering. Paul being chained in a Roman prison cell as he pens this letter and the Philippians being persecuted day after day by their Roman neighbors for their commitment to Christ and his kingdom. Paul says in chapter four, verse three, you all have labored side by side with me in the gospel. The whole church was all in. And as a result, God's footprint grew in the city of Philippi. The kingdom of God expanded. And as I think about the Philippians and their commitment to be all in and to participate in this gospel work, I couldn't help but think about the last four Saturdays here in this building. It's been amazing to me as we arrived at 830 and we're here till 12, some later, how many of you locked arms with one another, even people that you didn't even know. And you did so many different tasks from painting baseboards to cleaning the vents in here to making the stage behind us to cleaning over 25,000 square feet that was incredibly dirty. All of you together locked arms and participated in the gospel ministry so that this place might be a place that we come and worship but that this place also might be a place where we can bring about social and spiritual and cultural renewal in this city and beyond. We partner together in such a way through our gifts, our talents and finances so that we could be worshiping here today. And so that our vision of renewal in this city might expand so i join my voice with paul and say with all of my heart i thank god for every one of you and all of my remembrance for you from the first day until now i pray for you with joy in my heart for your partnership in the gospel And my hope is what I saw over the past four Saturdays will continue until Christ comes back to finish his great restoration project. My hope is that we, every one of us, see that we need to participate together in building God's kingdom here in Greensboro. And let me say, if you're here for the first time this morning, we are so grateful that you've chosen to come and worship with us. We know that there are many great churches, gospel-centered churches in this city. And it's an honor to have you with us this morning. And we'd love to have you come and be a part of Hope Chapel. We need more laborers, for the harvest is great. And so we'd love to have you join us to participate in this work of spiritual, social, and cultural renewal. And so, for all of us, will we join together? Will we join Paul and Lydia and all the saints who have gone before us? Even the saints at Westover and the Vineyard and Daystar who occupied this building Will we join together to bring about spiritual, social, and cultural renewal in our city? John Wesley says Christianity is essentially a social religion. And that to turn it into a solitary religion is indeed to destroy it. So the first thing that we see in our passage this morning is that in order to carry out our vision, we need everyone's participation And then, secondly, what we see in our passage is that in order to carry out our vision, we need to remember that God is the ultimate source of kingdom growth. You know, for many of us, we hear the call to partner with one another for kingdom growth, and we wonder if we have the spiritual maturity to do this. For others of us, when we hear the word kingdom growth, we simply are exhausted. Yet the good news of this passage is that Paul says it's not our work alone. After thanking them for their partnership in the gospel in verses three through five, Paul reminds them in verse six, the source of their growth. He writes, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion At the day of Jesus Christ. Paul is an old man when he writes this letter. His face and his body are worn by the traveling, the joys and the sorrows of the gospel ministry. And with age comes a wealth of wisdom that he wants to impart to his dear friends in Philippi. And one of the many things he wants them to remember is that it is God who called them. It is God who is working in them now. And it is God who will someday come again to consummate his kingdom. Jesus says that we are called to, to till the soil, to plant the seed, to water it, to watch over it. But it is God who makes it grow. And Paul is saying to the Philippians who are undergoing persecution, who are struggling with some division in the church and who have outside groups seeking to add to the gospel. Do not lose heart. God loves you. God is for you. God is the one calling you to lock arms. And God is the power working in and through you to bring about renewal and restoration in our world. When I was at Urbana 87, you've heard me talk about Helen Roosevelt. I heard her speak, and she was a missionary doctor to the Congo. And as she was speaking, one thing I remember her saying was she had no problem loving and caring for the natives. She would love them, care for them. But when it came to the other missionaries that she was sent with, she grew very tired of them and short with them. And they with her, because she was awfully kind of resentful and mean to, the, to them. And so what she did one evening, she was looking through her scripture. She was crying out to God, complaining about these missionaries that were called to work alongside of her. And she said, God took her to Galatians 2.20, which says, For I am crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God loved me and came and saved me and she said in that moment she realized the Holy Spirit was saying to her Helen you need to cross out the eye and you need to let me empower you to love your fellow saints who are serving right alongside of you and at that moment something changed inside of her And not only did she begin to love the natives, she began to love those that God had called to partner with her. Likewise, Paul in this letter to the Philippians is reminding us that it is Christ's work. It is Christ who will help us lock arms with one another. It is Christ who will give us the grace when we want to yell at one another. Which probably has happened, I know, between me and the staff over these last weeks. And it is Christ who gives them the grace to forgive me and love me through it. It is His power in us that enables us to carry out the vision that He has given to us. Now let me pause for one moment because I think it might be easy to misconstrue what Paul is saying and think that you simply don't have to do anything. Our lives are not like, you know, when you're at Carowinds and you had those little cars that you would ride and they have the little rail. And you didn't really have to do anything. I didn't learn that until I was much older. Um, it, you know, you didn't have to steer. I guess you had to press the pedal, but that was it. And you just could kind of go along the track. Well, our lives aren't like those that ride. Instead, our life is much more like the bumper cars. You know, when you get in a bumper car, you have to push the pedal, you have to steer, you get to decide, you know, whether you want to stay safely on the outside or whether you want to just ram someone. And everything is going fine until what? The attendant clicks the switch and turns the power off that is above your head. And then your car goes dead. That's what our relationship is like with God. There's human responsibility and there's God's sovereignty like side by side. He's calling us to take the steering wheel, to push the gas, to make decisions, to decide whether to ram someone or to stay on the outside. Hopefully we're ramming them with God's love and grace. But he is the power. It is his spirit in us that enables us. To do the work that he is calling us to do. Jesus says it this way in John 15. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself. Unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him. It is he that bears much fruit. For apart from me you and do nothing. So the question for us this morning is will we trust in his work in and through us for kingdom growth? And as we enter this new space and this new season, the challenges are going to be greater, the opportunities are going to be greater, and we cannot do it ourselves. But the good news that Paul reminds us is that God lives in us and we are in him and through his power and through his strength, we can boldly go out and proclaim the good news. And we can bring about renewal. In our city. In this letter, we learn that Paul stepped out in faith with his brother Silas and went further west than he had ever been before. I'm sure he was scared and anxious about what awaited him in this Roman city called Philippi, but he went anyway. And as we read this letter, we get to see the fruit of God's work in and through Paul and Silas and the Philippians to literally change the city for God's glory. We are Paul's, we are Lydia's, we are Silas's, and we all. All of us are needed to build God's kingdom. It will not be easy. But God is at work in us. And so my prayer is Paul's prayer in verses 9 through 11. And let it be our prayer today. And it is our prayer that our love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment. So that we may approve what is excellent. And so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. To the glory and praise of God. And all God's people said, Amen.